You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the World Arm Wrestling League this week. I'm your host Neil Pickup, and it is on. Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to show number 37 of World Arm Wrestling League this week. The second part of our two-part show featuring four of World Arm Wrestling League's 500 series roster standouts. Two from the lightweight division, Jamie Sheldon and Tony Katowski. Two from the middleweight division, Mr. Paul Lynn and the Bama Bull, Justin Bishop. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get it underway with part two right now. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, by the magic of modern technology, we've moved forward an entire week. That's right, seven days Jamie Sheldon has been sat on the question of whether or not he can beat the Angry Bird, Adam Wilmot. So let's just refresh for those of you who didn't hear last week. We're talking to the guys that are on the call. We got Tony Katowski, the Iron Man. We got Jamie Sheldon on the line. Justin, the Bammable Bishop, is also with us on the show. And the incredibly sexy. Paul Lynn is the other man on the call. He's just climbing off a woman to join us. Now then, let's pick up where we left off. And uh, Tony, you just said that you'd love to see Adam Wilmot, Jamie Sheldon, in terms of uh, 600 series. That's a match you'd like to see. Just refresh our memory, mate. Why do you why do you want to see that match? What do you think's good about that match? Yeah, uh, their styles clash perfectly. They're both top rollers. Neither one of them are going to go into the hook. I mean, Jamie, I know you are strong in the hook, but he, you generally stay away from it. You're kind of like in my boat on that aspect. Um, but as far as I clash, is, as far as a top roll, I think it's going to clash. And, you know, Jamie has very, gotten very good in the strap in the past year. Uh, Adam Wilmot's always considered himself a strap master. Um, and based on your style, almost like the Travis Bajan type style in the strap, and comparative to Adam Wilmot's style, to dump your wrist a lot, and he's, he can also pull in different ways as well. I think your guys' match would prove to be a long-lasting top row match, if you know what I mean. It'd be a 20, 30, 40-second top row match to see who's going to fatigue off first, and then that's going to determine the winners, you know, stamina. So, I Jamie. Uh, yeah, just based off of, you know, how I pulled Jeff and how he pulled Jeff, it was like, okay, we can get him over to that side of the table, and then, Obviously, you know, Jeff does what he does. Um, another guy I'd like to get revenge on. But, yeah, Adam, it, it's one of those things where which, which Adam's going to show up. But I, I think, yes, he's deadly if he shows up how he should. Uh, but then there's that other side of Adam, and I, and I love him to death. Um, he came out to California, and we had this uh, Alan Fisher invitation. We went to him out. So... You know, it's but that could happen to anybody. You know, it's mm. just not a game at some point. Anybody but there. Yeah, Adam, I would definitely entertain that match. Um, because Adam called me when he got that call for Jeff before they announced. He said, "Hey, I got to tell you something," and, and he was just so passionate and excited. And, and I told him, "Hey, this is your redemption, man, because you, you know, this is you. You get to make that impact on the WAL." And he did. He showed up and he, and he performed Hello. very, very well. 
and I was proud of him. And yeah, I would love to spank the Angry Birds. Absolutely. So we we uh, we got that from um, from from Jamie, and I think Justin's just dropped off the call. I expect to be back in in a second with a bit of luck. Um, so we're going to go uh, to a different area of the call, guys. Obviously. We didn't get to ask Justin who his two were. I think he must have bottled it, knowing that it would have been probably either Danny Tesh, who is the world's strongest man, or <laughs> Ryan Bowen, who's been who's been hunting Justin Bishop on every form of social media <laughs> for about the last two months, as well as everybody else. I think he, that if there's a king of talking yourself into a match, it's got to be Ryan Bowen. He he's Crazy. he is chasing some dudes. I think Paul and Ryan is a match I'd love to see. I've got to be honest. I mean, that's uh, and I know he wants that as well. Paul, are you are you any feelings on that, mate? Is Ryan Bowen on your hit list? Um, I mean, I, I pulled him a little bit ago, Neil. So, I mean, it it doesn't have that added motivation that that competing against somebody new would, would give me. Mm-hmm. I, I know Ryan's Ryan's gotten a lot better for sure. I mean, he's obviously getting stronger. He try, you know, he puts everything that he does out there. So we know he's gotten better. <laughs> But I believe I like to believe I'm getting better at the same rate, and there's there's no way to there's no way to tell without a match. But uh, like I said, I'd be a little bit more motivated for a guy I haven't pulled. So let's just say that that match did come about, mate. Okay. So if you ended up pulling Ryan Bowen, do you believe that Ryan could possibly have progressed as far as? As, as the stats would suggest when you watch the YouTube channel. You watch him on Pound for Pound. You watch him uh, doing all the exercises he's done after he's been training with Todd. Do you think that those numbers could be in any way real? He's talking about 43% gains. Do you think that's a viable uh, possibility, or do you think that's just smoke and mirrors, just a lot of garbage? I mean, 43% in anything, just being involved in the strength world for as long as I think we've all been on in, on yeah. this call, a 43% gain in that short period of time is just hard to swallow, but anything's possible, I guess. I guess what I'd rather, you know, hear from Ryan is that, you know, he's beating a guy like Danny Tesh now that he's never been able to beat at practice. So I, I haven't really heard that from Ryan. Um. When you look at what he's been doing and a lot of the, the, the sort of work that he's done preparing for the Zloty Tour and things like that, do you think that that will... And I know this is a difficult situation to put you in alone, Paul, so I'm going to ask this to all the guys still on the call, so we'll, we'll put this to Jamie and Tony as well. Do you believe mm-hmm. that that can transition onto the table? I mean, if, you, if you're, you know, you've made massive gains in one vector... And I had to get it in there, Ryan, one vector of your training. Do you think that that's going to transition onto the arm wrestling table? I think there's too many variables, Neil, with arm wrestling. I mean, I got, when I pulled Corey back in, geez, 2014, I was the strongest I've ever been in my life. And it didn't translate onto the table. In certain areas. So I think, yes, you can get stronger sideways. You can get stronger back. You can get stronger at certain angles. But I'm going to use Tony as an example. Tony hits fast, but he doesn't hit fast sideways. He gets hand control very, very, very fast. Yeah. Does that mean that all that gym training and all that side pressure training and all that 43% is going to translate into that split second, that little degree of, I got you now, mother. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just too many variables in arm wrestling, and I think yeah, if you get stronger, great. 
strengthen the entire body. You get stronger, you should be a better arm wrestler. But is it enough? There's just too many variables in arm wrestling. That's that's I'm, the crazy. I mean, my my I I made an analogy, and just to let everybody know, we got Justin back on the Bama Ball in the mother fluffing house. Welcome back, brother. Thank you, sir. I don't know what happened. This damn Obama phone or something. No problem, mate. No problem. Good to have you back. But uh, we thought it might have been uh, might have been the baby started crying or something like that, and you'd been professional on us. We <laughs> we figured that what it was. Thought the little dude started crying, and he's been like, "Holy!" and had to drop the phone. His wife slapping him. No sleep. All good stuff. But um, yeah. we're we're just talking about Ryan Bowen and um, oh. the gains that Ryan has made uh, on the machines in the various vectors, ladies and gentlemen that uh, uh, Ryan's been training, and whether or not that can transition into an arm wrestling match. And uh, Jamie's answered that question. We've got Paul and uh, and Tony lined up with it. We heard Paul's answer. He doesn't believe that, that it can be done, and we've just heard from Jamie the variables he believes are a little bit too much. What about yourself, Justin? Do you think uh, he's going to see that, that kind of gain transition onto the table? I mean, he's definitely going to see gains, and, and this is why uh, pe- people forget that... Um, he didn't. He didn't lift weights till I went and busted his ass. He did. He did, but very moderate. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna make gains. His trajectory is gonna be. Um, I'm not gonna say as high as what he's looking at, but it's gonna be better than most people are looking at. But the yeah. problem is where he's at right now, in my opinion, isn't as high as what he thinks it is. Yeah. I mean, listen. Let's let's be honest. He went and beat Allen and a struggle win, nonetheless, in my opinion. And he's looking past me and i beat mike who smashed him yeah. so you know and that's the only thing we can really go off of is matches right you can go off your opinion all you want to but those are like buttholes everybody's got one and most of them stink <laughs> you know so i mean he he can keep looking past me if he wants to the problem is he's never pulled um a 200 pound me and um by the time we arm wrestled i wasn't even 190 pounds um and to be honest with you, and I'm not just saying this because, uh, you know, we're probably going to arm wrestle and all this other shit. It's just a fact. I felt like crap that entire day. Um, I don't know why. It's probably because I was bulking and, um, you know, I didn't have a car to go get what I wanted to eat. They don't eat the they don't have the same kind of foods we have. Um, no. The time difference, you know, a lot of things played into it. But yeah, nevertheless, it's a huge factor. Um, you know, and he can take it, you know, oh, you took my hand. Yeah, sure you did. I still fucking beat you. I mean, without my best weapon, I still beat you. And if you look at the first three matches, which there's six matches, you'll only see five because for some reason he didn't he didn't get the first one. He didn't move my hand at all. So mm-hmm. I expect a stronger version, don't get me wrong, but me, me and Rob also talked about this um, in the, as far as the middleweight division in his opinion and mine as well, um, the trajectory points of everybody is kind of planing out, but not, you know, it's still going upwards, but you got to look at the guys who's got the most upward trajectory. In my opinion would be, um, me and Paul. Yeah. Paul being, um, rather green in the sport. I wouldn't call him green, but greener, um, than most and me coming up a weight class. So, you know, and I would even say that about RVJ being that he doesn't use a lot of technical, uh, uh, aspects of the game and he's starting to and you know I don't know about his work ethic he you know he claims to not work out at all uh, I really don't believe that but yeah he could probably work out harder 
I mean, hell, I could work out harder though, you know, so, mm-hmm. which is actually what I'm doing as of this moment. So, um, for Bowen, I mean, here, here's my biggest thing about him. You're not even the best in Australia, guy. Yeah, but uh, Danny Tesh does live there. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, and I pulled him on the side table afterwards. I beat all of them after the match, you know, and the, the dude's good. Yeah, that in 2017, I pulled uh, almost all the guys afterwards. Um, and to be fair, I was pulling Danny off center to the pad drunk. You know what I mean? So, and to me, Danny's better arm is his left. Um, but for the best guy in Australia to be beating you with their bad arm, and you're sitting here telling me that, in my opinion, I'm top three, top four middleweight in America, that you're going to just walk through me? I mean, come on, guy. What are you smoking? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, what do you, I, and I, I admire his ambition, his drive, all of that. But you can't lie to yourself. You know, you can have these um, opinions and so, so forth based on whatever the hell data you're adding up. But these, you know, these are facts right here, and you're completely avoiding them. You know what I love about about Ryan? We're going to come to Tony in a minute as well because there's a man that's Jim Strong and Table Strong. But uh, you know what? I I can't help but love Ryan. But I really like Ryan. I think he's ace. Oh, I, I do too. I love the I dude. Just, he's um... great. But what I like about him a great deal is this is an extremely intelligent young man. I mean, he's he's no dummy. If you if you if you hang around Ryan, number one, he's really endearing. Number two, he's a really really clever lad. You know, he's calculated. Yeah. He's smart. The interesting thing about him, when we had him on the show with Rob, I said, look, are you talking yourself into a match? Because I know that he is very much about the marketing. He's a YouTuber. That's his big thing. And he wants that match. He wants that recognition. And that's a tightrope, isn't it? Because if you talk yourself in a match where you then get hammered, that's not good. So He's done it before, though. Did he not? He, 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 he did it with me. And, and to me, he's picking me again. And he can say whatever the fuck he wants, but he's picking me because I'm the smaller guy and he knows what style I pull or he thinks he does. He has no fucking clue, but he'll find that out later. But it, to me, he picked me because if, if let's say uh, Mike would have beat me, he'd have picked Mike mm-hmm. because he believes he can beat Mike. He didn't pick Paul because he don't think he can beat Paul because Paul just... Uh, much he appears much stronger. He stays tight. He doesn't look like he's gonna gas out, you know. Whereas in some matches, I look like that, you know. But what he's not looking at is, I'm not sitting on the couch. You know what I mean? I've beaten even better people since I beat you. You know, the only thing I don't like about the whole aspect is, um, is that you talk your way into matches, which is is fine and dandy because I believe either way the best arm wrestler is going to win that match whether you talk your way into it or not my issue is if somebody else had the merits to get that match and you got it over them and I asked I asked Ryan outright I said look are you talking yourself into a match or do you actually believe that you can beat the guys you're calling out and we were talking specifically about Rob Bidgent at that time and he said, no, I, look, I, I, you know, I'm making all these assessments based on where I believe I was and where I am now. And I 110% believe that I genuinely can beat Rob. And if Shit, I, get I did too. Him, you know. <laughs> I it, did too. You know, I mean, it didn't work out for me. <laughs> you know, that's why I love, I love that he believes in himself that much because I do. I truly do. Especially when I walk up to the table. 
but as I'm when I'm not training and I'm not on the table, I'm completely 100% real with myself. Do I think I could beat Rob in a dead center of the table hook? No. So I'm going to avoid that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't talk about that aspect. I'm sure he thinks about it, but he doesn't talk about it. Because yeah. that, that, that kills your right. shine a little bit, you know. I got to keep that certain uh, level of confidence. One of the interesting things um, about just some of my interactions with Ryan, and first off, for the record, I think he's doing great things for the sport. You really you know, I like too. Him. And, uh, and I want to support him for that. Um, but, like, you know, even earlier on, I mean, I want to say like over a year ago, talking to Ryan, you know, for for as long as um, Ryan has lost uh, to Justin, he has sworn that he would beat him the next time. And he's it's it's almost to the point um, where it's I don't know if it's gotten to like something that he just had talked himself into believing over time. But mm-hmm. like about a year ago, I mean, he seems to put Justin in the lower tier. Uh, which I think is, is a huge fallacy. And, I, I mean, it, it it just strange some of the conversations we've had. Uh, we're talking about who, who we want to pull next and um, where he puts Justin in that. So I think he, he, for whatever reason, he genuinely thinks he can beat him. But the match is interesting from the perspective of it's it's a, it's a almost a no-win for Justin. Exactly. Justin exactly, is, and it's already sold. Yes, he's clearly on a higher tier. Um, based on his longevity and his track record. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's maybe motivated to pull Ryan, but just to just to shut him up. And and that's not the best motivation mm-hmm. coming into a match. You want to be able to gain something. Whereas Ryan stands essentially nothing to lose. As long as he can somewhat compete with Justin or make it a match, he'll probably walk away smelling like roses. And I don't know if that's fair to Justin. Exactly. And, you know, I talked to Rob about the same situation with him and I. Although I think it was a little different because I feel like my merit had earned me the shot. It, it, it earned me between me or you, Paul, pretty much. And to me, he, he beat one guy that was on like fifth or fourth or fifth tier, you know, and pretty much what you just said. And I'm going to tell you right now, though, I'll give him some credit here. And I love the guy. I stayed at his house. His wife cooked three meals a day for me. Love that lady. But. I believe he's had these conversations with himself so much that he believes what he's saying. Mm-hmm. But I'll, like I said, I'll say this. He has kept me motivated in the sense that I will not lose to you. You right. know, do, do, do I think your abilities or, or your skills good enough to beat me? Sure. I don't think you're strong enough. I don't think you filled that gap up that far in that amount of time. Because whether people want to believe it or not, you don't get a whole shit ton stronger in a year. You know, you, you might gain 10 percent a year, 15 percent of what you were maxing out at, which is a great deal. But from what I felt, I honestly feel like he was, you know, 40, 50 percent weaker than me at, in 2017. And I'm at least 20 percent stronger than I was then. I think so the big the question is about translating to the table, isn't it? I mean, you can can you gain that kind of strength in a gym exercise? Yes. You, you, you I have no doubt in my mind, of, you know, you can do that. But um, can you put it to the table? Uh, and That's also, the it's the versatility. It's that it's that you get hit in so many. I think Jamie hit it on the head with the variables that you know, puller A, it works on. Puller B, mm, not so much. You know, you might make make massive gains in one area of your arm wrestling, 
and that helps you a great deal against two or three guys on those on the roster who you were much weaker than. However, you then face that guy who's bullet fast and he's taking your hand and you never really feel his power. It hasn't helped yeah. you. Great. In fact, sometimes fair, it can slow you down. I think I, I uh, screwed him up a bit when the, uh, the last two or three matches I just didn't worry about my hand placement at all. Mm-hmm. Because I was that confident in the match, and it actually made him look like he was in the match. Up there, you know, to get a good rap, and really didn't worry about height or placement or any of that. Because what I had felt that was, I just felt he couldn't beat me. It didn't matter what happened, and obviously I was right. But I think I kind of knocked him down a little bit. You know, now he's basing it on well, I took his hand already once. You know, like ah. Alright, whatever. We gotta take a short break there, ladies and gents, but please don't go anywhere. We will be right back with more from tonight's guests in just a few. Welcome back to the show, guys. Let's get straight back into the action with our four guests. Tony, obviously yeah. you're a guy that spent a uh, a tremendous amount of time, as Paul alluded to earlier on, in strength sport generally, and, and obviously your gym's strong and table strong. When you make massive gains in um, a discipline of weightlifting, lifting moving heavy weights, do you find that that ordinarily translates in a same percentage at the arm wrestling table, or is there specific areas where you find that that's certainly not the case? Well, I mean, let's go back to the initial question, right? 46%. That's what he's claiming he's gained. Do I believe? Yeah, I think he said he had 43% gain. I think to be fair to to Ryan, that was what he was posting on there. And I know when he, when he said it to Rob, Rob, um, basically had to, uh, you know, we had to give him some, some meds to control him. He was absolutely laughing his ass. I said, you'd be lucky if you've gained 5%, never mind 43%. But Ryan is not a, we're not talking about a guy who's, who's, um, you know, he's a dummy. Not at all. So 43%. Could Ryan do it? Absolutely. No, we also got to look at where he was. Where was Ryan? He was essentially at the beginning of his career. And everybody who knows, especially a gym rat, knows you make the biggest gains when you first get to the gym. So yeah, you're exactly. going to make a huge and a substantial gain. But now let's put it into another perspective. Let's put it into money and financials, right? If you got a dollar, and somebody asks you to make 43 cents to make 143, that's pretty darn easy. But if you got a million and someone asks you to make 1.4.3 million, that's going to be a little bit tougher. Mm-hmm. You know, so the stronger one gets like Justin or, you know, like a Travis or a, or anybody, anybody on this call, the stronger you get, the harder it is to get to that next level of strength. You know, so when me and Justin are struggling to gain 5% in a year, he can gain 46% because he's at the beginning of his career, but that 40 or 43% is then going to dwindle over the next couple of years to that 5% or 6%, you know, and Todd Hutchings would be a perfect example for that. You know, you know, one thing that makes me, um, uh, well, I don't want to curse the guy or anybody, but one of the things that always makes me smile is the amount of kudos the amount of respect that people pay to side pressure side pressure is without doubt a valuable entity within within arm wrestling but it comes with massive risk and if you are training very heavy and putting your elbow under that kind of stress one thing that worries me greatly is that ryan will overcook it a little bit 
and, and actually mm-hmm. hurt himself. And he, and he could end up um, in a similar situation to the one you're in right now, Tony, with the injuries. I mean, you know, it, right. That, yep. that, you know, I know exactly that is, what caused my injury leading up to the initial cause of the injury. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what caused it. And I'm not doing that workout anymore. I just, I, was, I call it snapping on my tendon, right? <laughs> so I take 180 pounds and I bend over and I pick up the 180 pounds with my arm at a 90 degree angle. I literally snap my arm to try to strengthen that tendon in there, which essentially gives you more side pressure. Now, I did that all of 2015, and look where it got me in 2016. So, I mean, it helps, but there's certain ways and certain workouts you can gain your side pressure by, like, for instance, the way Todd does it. You know, I don't think Todd does any kind of snapping. If you do a nice, slow, control movements, you can gain it. Um, as far as side pressure in arm wrestling, Todd, Todd Hutchings pretty much – Put it right out there. You don't need a hand. You don't need a wrist. Just go sideways. You know. So, I personally believe side pressure is one of the most important, if not the most important, thing in arm wrestling. And then wrist control, meaning rotation, is by far the second most important thing in arm wrestling. And I can personally tell you from my injury in 2016, and then coming back in 2017, pulling the same guys like Paul Talbot, for example, where I used to in the finals where I just simply yanked them across the table and went sideways with them. In 2017, I tried doing the same thing and I couldn't do it. Why? Because yeah. I couldn't work my back or side pressure. You know, so I couldn't get control of that match to bring somebody down where the year before I could. So let's let's just put it in, in into Ryan's boat here. So if Ryan is working his side pressure, he better damn well be working his back pressure too. And I mean his back pressure correctly, not the way a lot of people work it because I'm not even going to get into that. But he better be working his back pressure correctly and his side pressure. And if he has been, I could see him gaining enough strength to be able to stop guys and have great matches with Justin. But Justin simply has too much hand and wrist control for Ryan. I don't think Ryan is putting all that out there. That's where he beat me at. You didn't know? (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I want to pick my... up on something Tony just said there. Obviously, we've heard from Todd a similar thing that, you know, side pressure could be number one in the sport. I strongly disagree. I think hand and wrist is king, 100% in arm wrestling. And, I, and, and I'll tell you why. I think it's king because if you've got enough hand and wrist control and enough speed, and, and I'm going to sort of uh, qu- qualify the statement a little bit. What I'm saying there is for... Each individual type of arm wrestler, there are things which will make their arm wrestling better. For example, the fast twitch muscle fiber puller, the guy who's lightning quick and explosive. Um, I believe for him, hand and wrist is definitely important. If you're the guy that's never going to be the fastest guy out of the block or not even close, then side pressure is massively more important. But it's used in the first instance as a defensive strategy. Now, if you've got all the boxes ticked, so you can you can make it a video game character, and he's got everything, solid bars, you know, he's fast, he's strong, he's flexible, he's smart, all those things, hand and wrist is king. I remember John Brzezink once saying that he'd give 30% arm strength to get better hand and wrist, and I agree entirely. Because if you get hand and wrist control and you've got enough pace and speed and you know what you're doing on the setup, the guy should never feel your power, it's over. Yeah, but I base that off of, once again, Todd Hutchings, Terrace, when Terrace pulled uh, John Brzezink. You know, Terrace had complete hand and wrist control, 
Brzezinski's hand was backwards all the way down by the pin pad, and he was able to bring him back with a flopped wrist. Yeah, so I, I actually disagree. I don't time. think he had full hand and wrist control. I think people underestimate well, what, what me... hand and wrist control is. I think if you're turned too far out, so you're literally pronated to the point where you're on a reverse hammer curl, you don't really have hand and wrist control. Hand and wrist control, for me, is around being able to maintain the angle, the supination, pronation, maintenance of that is key. Can I, can I jump in on that one? Yeah. So the, mat, the match you're talking about, um, John is actually in a wedge-type position where he can still cup, right? But the other guy is so extended that he his side pressure has dwindled to maybe half. You know what I mean? Oh, least, and that's, yeah. due, that's, that's due to the position he's in, the table, and all of that good stuff. Like the few times I beat Storm – that's where the difference was. I had enough wedge, and when he fell away from his arm, I could just drive sideways. Now, I don't think I'm that much stronger than Storm. I think the positions just played to my favor in the pressure that I was using. Had I kept going backwards, you know, with back pressure, I'd have probably just lost it. But I think know, also was... an important point to make there is often when you see a guy beaten, like the like the situation you just described with, with Ivakin Taras, is basically... Um, when they are number one, not well rounded enough, and, and you know, I, I love Taras, he's a great guy, very good friend of mine, but he was never the most complete arm wrestler. He was one silver bullet puller, he had that style, and that style worked against 99% of people. And we're talking about John Brazil, too, you yeah. Know, so. <laughs> but if you watched when he pulled uh, Gennady Fadzinov at the world championship overalls. And if you, I, I pulled Taras on the practice table. If you could stop him, you could hook him, he did not have a solid hook. His hook was not powerful. He was very good at one thing. You get a guy who's very complete. So what I'm saying is he had a glaring disadvantage. He didn't have any side pressure. If you've got, as I said earlier, the guy, the video game character, where you've got the bars, the option, and you're strong in all areas, the one that I would factor up the most is hand and wrist. Right. Yeah. You know, I would agree um, to an extent. To me, it depends on who I'm pulling. But overall, in general, you definitely got to have a good uh, hand and wrist to um, get where you're going, you know. Everybody, you know, everybody wants like has more experience than me. So, but from my brief, uh, my brief time in the state, I have not dug into the, the side pressure thing like Ryan has. But that's a piece of my training that I've kind of held to the to the end, and I don't. And just like we talked about with the potential injury, I think that's kind of the reason why I shied away from it. Um, but when it comes to actual arm wrestling, my side pressure feels just fine, and I'm just training it with light things, just just trying to stay healthy. When you look at it from a Ryan Bowen perspective, you know he was uh, he was all hand and wrist training prior to this, so maybe the addition of, of uh, dedicated side pressure training is going to help him. But there's also that potential that if he's never going to pull like Todd Hutchings pulls, then what's the point of training side pressure? Exactly. Well, it's interesting. I, I think that's a very, very good point, Paul. Because often I think it's easy to fall into the trap of trying to emulate people who arm wrestle very different. I mean, an interesting one... Uh, and I don't want to dwell on Ryan too much, but um, as we, we, we started this conversation on that track, he arm wrestles similarly to what? To people like Devon. He Devin. applies a lot of what Devon does. However, 
in certain areas of the arm wrestling table, he couldn't be more dissimilar to Devon because we're talking about a guy with an average length arm and a relatively steady hand. His hand is not big. It's not Devon has every box ticked. So the, the opportunities that are open to, to Devon in most areas of the table will never and can never apply to, to uh, Ryan because he's just a completely physically dissimilar guy, you know? And that, 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 I think that everybody's got to be mindful of that a little bit. You've got to watch where your natural strengths lie and try to adapt your style to the best of your ability around those a little bit. I think you can waste a great deal of time trying to make yourself strong in areas that you're never going to be A-class strong. Right. Well, my, you know, my thing uh, with Ryan is um, I, I personally, I'm going to put him in a spot where he's not training, and then what the hell are you going to do? You know, I mean, I did the first three matches. I put you in a spot where you couldn't use your hand at all. You're going to flop wrist press me now? I doubt it. You know, I mean, I'm pretty good with my palm up going sideways, but Rob put me there. I couldn't do shit, mm. you know? Well, it's a so, it's an equalizer, isn't it? If you lose control of the match, if you lose hand and wrist positioning, if you lose the ability to control the degree of supination or pronation in the match, whichever you choose it to be, you burn exponentially. Once you go through your elastic limit, the burn that will go into your arm is far, far greater than it would ordinarily have been. Everybody's in control yeah, yeah. when they're in control. So in other words, if you're much stronger than a guy, yeah, you're never in that bad a position because you're always, the strength will, will guide you home. It's the day that you meet the guy who's equal to you in strength, equal or greater, and they have the control on the hand and wrist, then you are, as the Irish say, fooked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I've gone down that rabbit hole uh, early on in training, just being kind of a fan of the sport when I was new in it, and just trying to put everybody's style of training and learn from every arm wrestler uh, and try to add that to the table. You can go down the rabbit hole real quick, or you can take the perspective uh, like what you said Neil earlier is just going with what you're best at and training that to a T. But you know, that's a, that's a training page and your lane to be the best at. It. But, I, you know, personally, I think what makes a guy like Rob in the middleweight so special is that he has so many different attributes. So I think what, you know, that's what's kind of separated him. So I think there's credence to, to both perspectives. Mm -hmm. uh, well-roundedness has got to be – well-roundedness is something that's going to get you a lot of – I mean, if you look at someone like Devin, unbelievably well-rounded arm wrestler and got every tool, every weapon available – the one thing that he isn't is quick. Right. Yeah. You know, that's the acid weakness. Well, well, everybody always R V J, right? You know, yep. Yep. every everything but quick. And you know, I always tell everybody my entire arm wrestling career, if you're if you're not versatile, you might as well quit arm wrestling. And if you if you think you're gonna be the best and not be versatile, it doesn't even pay to continue. I mean it's a it's a that's long that's statement, cool. but you know, like Travis Bajan, he can beat 99% of the people out there, but face it, there's going to be that 1% that can get him in the hook and drag him over. So there's always going to be somebody that can beat, you know, John Berzink, who I personally believe was the, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. He was well-rounded everywhere. He could have a flop wrist, a controlled wrist, rotation, hook. It didn't matter where he went. He yeah. was in control of the match generally. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... That's as far as well-rounded. I you put that as a good point. You got to be well-rounded, otherwise, it's you're never going to be at the elite level. Let me, let me ask you guys this real quick about like I know Neil, you said a hand and wrist is ace. 
So even if you know you're going to give up your hand to get into a position or give up your wrist, that's still, since it's an offensive move, you can initiate that. Let's say like a, that that's still, I guess, I don't know what the word I'm trying to think of is. But like if you're initiating that move, you're kind of giving up your hand and wrist, which means your hand and wrist isn't that strong, right? But it's still an offensive move and it's still productive. Well, I think there's a big distinction to be made there, Jamie, to be honest, about where you'd give that up, because there are very few people, and I mean very few, you could probably, um, I'll bet there's less than 10% of arm wrestlers, certainly I'd say less than 10% of arm wrestlers are genuinely comfortable to give up their hand and wrist and, and, and also could do that and it, it equate to a higher level of success in one style of arm wrestling. And what I mean by that is, and this is where the distinction has to come, Supermatch arm wrestling is one thing, one side of a coin. Right. The right. absolute opposite side of that same coin is main draw tournament format. You get a guy that's giving away the hand and wrist outside of that sort of freak percentage, 5%, 10% of guys who do that naturally, like Jerry. Um, you're going to have a very, very difficult career, difficult time in, in high-level main draw tournament. You really are. Because... You're, you're, the abuse your arm will take unless you finish those matches quickly is astronomical. Well, I, I, oh, I, I think I'm a, I'm a much better uh, tournament puller than super match puller. <laughs> that's because you go through 90% of your, of, of your opponents like a hot knife through a dog shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, See, you, I, base, you I base your hand strength. You know, you're basing hand strength pretty high in a list. I don't put hand strength and hand control very high in a list for the reason of you know, when you get to the level that, you know, we're all at, even in a tournament style, generally the top guys or almost every single match in a WAL goes directly to the strap, which then takes the hand almost right out of the equation. And then that's where the arm strength and your rotation and the positioning comes into play. You know, so that's why I was basing hand strength not very high on my list, because ultimately where we're at, you know, in the end, when it goes into the strap, I mean, look at Sam. He didn't even use his hand at all because he wanted to strap every time. Mm-hmm. So if you can get into that strap, you know, ultimately your hand is almost gone. It doesn't need to be there anymore. So more wrist then? Yeah, more yeah, rotation, more wrist, yeah, more arm. Yeah, you know, that's what I was basing it off of. I mean, you're, you've got a, a relatively small hand as well, Tony. Yeah, I mean, comparative to the average middle or heavyweight, absolutely. So you're in a situation, the point I'm making there is that you're in a, a situation where you're going to have natural limitations on having been able to use your hand throughout your career anyway. So in a way, you've become, you, you sort of get to use or, or, or um, learn to do without what you never had. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that, I'm right? the same. i got a, a relatively small hand, certainly for, for a middleweight stroke light heavyweight. You BK wipers? <laughs> <laughs> You know, you look at Rob, you look at Alan Fisher. Wow. You yeah. Know, unbelievable. Right. Yeah. It's tough to pull through a guy's fingers where it's wrapped halfway around your hand. And John, let's be honest, John Brzezink had always had a great hand. Oh, it's yep. massive and long. Yeah. Big. I mean, John he used to make me smile when we were in Poland a lot of the time. He said, oh, yeah, I got a pretty normal hand, not too big, not too thick. I was thinking, what? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's like shaking the hand. It's like shaking the, the mouth of a gator, you know. It's yeah, he's got a great hand. Um, stupid long. Really thick, wide, 
even balanced strength throughout his hand. Really solid. And the best, the best thing about it is uh, he knows how to use it. Oh, he really does. The same thing with side pressure. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't have any side pressure. And they, they're using the wrong angle or the wrong uh, setup to be able to use side pressure. To me, the biggest thing in this sport is knowledge. Yeah, I would agree. Knowledge. Yeah, if you don't, I mean, you can bench press 600 pounds, but if you can't translate it, you're, you're, you know, it only takes one degree of angle through up whatever agenda you have, right? I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's what we're coming down to, coming down to physics and geometry with strength. That's why it makes it the best sport in the world. I don't care. Yeah, you like you said, I'm, if you can 600 pounds, if I, if I take that angle from you, it's over. It's over. Yeah. And especially if you take it at 35 to 50 miles an hour. Right. Exactly. And all of you have done that. So the only way you're beating that is if you got 43% more power than me. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you're Donnie Tesh. Yeah, yeah, you can beat Danny Tesh now. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Of all time. You know what? I do feel sorry for Danny. Danny's never said a goddamn thing. And. uh, Never said it. He's the most lovely, humble, endearing guy you could ever possibly wish to meet. He's never said anything. He just sits there relishing in the fact that he is the greatest arm wrestler of all time in any weight class. Hard as nails. Not many people are harder than him, and most of them are statues. He sits in the corner of his magnificent house, poking the fire with his cock. Hey, is he related to Paul? <laughs> pretty sure they're related <laughs> guys I want to say a massive thank you to all of you for coming on the show uh, it's been an end it's been emotional two weeks of it guys two weeks of it and uh, I'd love to get you all back on and I'm sure we will again soon uh, thanks for taking the time out lads thanks my pleasure unfortunately ladies and gentlemen that brings to a conclusion tonight's episode And I'd like to say a massive thank you to my four guests for the last couple of weeks. Jamie Sheldon, Tony Katowski, Paul Lynn and Justin Bishop. I also want to thank all of you guys for once again taking your precious time to tune in and check us out here on World Arm Wrestling League this week with myself, Neil Pickup. On behalf of myself and everybody at the World Arm Wrestling League, I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and we will see you in the new year. So make sure you tune in right here in 2020, same time, next time. And until then, take it easy, peeps. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line.